What's up, guys? It is me. It is Michael Hunter at ACCBR1 on Twitter. Uh, coming at you after a short hiatus. There isn't a whole lot to talk about, or there hasn't been uh, up until this point. Um, I this today's episode is you know officially ACCBR off topic. It's um, something that I've been you know thinking about doing for a while. You know, deviating from just ACC basketball and getting into some other things that we should probably be talking about other than, you know, ACC basketball, because there are things that matter, um, you know, during the season, you know, business as usual, but in the off season, I think, you know, just, you know, commentary on things would be, a, would be a great option. Um, we took that leap today. I welcomed one of my favorite guests, uh, you know, in the, in the hundred episodes that I've done or 95 or whatever it is. I think this is T's, Fourth or fifth time on, um, always a great conversation. I can rely on him to tell me exactly what he's thinking, and he's going to not only be honest, but he's going to tell you why he thinks that. And and he he makes no bones about who he is, and I you know I appreciate the shit out of him. Um, what we did was I have, and we talk about this in the show, obviously, but. Often I find myself oblivious to certain social uh, situations, and you know, it's it was enlightening to me. This is again, this is this is one of my favorite episodes that we've done in in ninety five or so episodes. This is top three easily, and it was an eye opener for me um, to hear his opinion, see things from a different angle. Um, I know that all sounds cliche, but it was. It was exactly what you know I needed to hear, and uh, from a person that I've had multiple great conversations with, and um, I, I, I can't really explain. You know, we just finished up probably twenty minutes ago, and it's still kind of there with me. So, um, I here he is, Harold Little. Harold turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock, doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Mr. T. Little, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, it's been too long since since you've been on. Um, I'm really excited to, to have this conversation that we're about to have today. Awesome, awesome. Um, first, I want to I want to get caught up uh, with with your boy Nasir. Um, <laughs> an interesting rookie season, I guess to say the least. Um, yeah. you know, struggled with injuries, I believe it was an ankle injury at some point this season. Um, yep. what, uh, what's, what's, what's his temperature right now? How's he feeling about his, his rookie year? I think, um, for him talking to him, it's kind of what he expected based on the construct of the team. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, the, the, I guess one of the turning point since this in the season for him as a rookie was the addition of Carmelo Anthony to the team. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of changed a lot of things for what possibly could have been for him. And I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way, sure. you know, whatsoever. I just think that when you have a veteran like that, who's a known scorer, you know what I'm saying? And has had quite a bit of success in the league, it's going to change the way that you do things. And it just so happened that he happened to be the person that it would kind of affect the most with regards to what his opportunities as a rookie might be. And then on top of that, you look at a team 
that pretty much was constructed, you know, for what it wanted to do before he was even drafted. Mm -hmm. So it was going to, and it, and it kind of was in line with what Portland does with their rookies anyway. Um, he did get some opportunities earlier in the season mm -hmm. due to injuries and stuff like that. So that was good for him. And I think he did everything that he could with the opportunities that he had. And um, it was better in regards to the opportunities that he got to play and do what he could do than what we thought it would be, honestly. Because um, if you kind of juxtapose, juxtapose it with um, how Anthony Simons' rookie season mm -hmm. went, we were expecting more of the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. where, where he would be brought along slowly. But his opportunity was a, a bit greater um, based on the needs of the team and based on the injuries and stuff that they had. Um, overall, I, I don't think he's satisfied but I know that he's content and relatively happy with how his rookie season went, um, barring the end of the season and how the season was going with injuries to the team. And um, for him, I think that he was hitting a really good stride um, right before he injured his ankle. Yes, yeah. You know, in that in that game, he was really, he was really, you know, kind of you know, getting to kind of where he wanted to be a little bit. And then that injury happened right before the all-star break and kind of set him back a little bit more than, um, than he wanted it to. But, um, um, you, you mentioned the ahead, addition Mike. of Mello, um, mm -hmm. who is, uh, you know, a polarizing figure to say the least, mm -hmm. um, you know, high profile player. Um, I don't want to say, twilight of his career because he's still I mean he came in with LeBron so they're still you know mid 30s there's still some tread left on those tires is he a has Nasir commented on maybe like Melo bringing him along or as far as trying to to, to show him you know any tricks of the trade or, or any mentorship I guess anything like that going on is that the person that he is or is he more focused on his comeback efforts no, um, I'm glad you asked that question because it gives me an opportunity to kind of admit my own faults with the way I make assumptions about things, mm -hmm. right? So everybody has this way that Carmelo Anthony is viewed as a professional basketball player, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, because people don't really know him as a person. Sure. So they only judge him based on how he is a basketball player. And I was one of those people. So when I approached Nas about it, it's like, oh, man. How's Carmelo? He's a diva, isn't he? He's this, he's that, right? All <laughs> negative stuff, right? <laughs> All negative stuff. And uh, and Nasir said, to be honest with you, Dad, he's he's a effing awesome teammate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that he really he really takes time um, to when he can. He takes the time to show me certain things and said, hey, this is what I do in this situation. This is what you should probably do. And not so much of taking him by the hand and sure. saying, hey, stick to, stick to my hip, kid, and do what I do. It's more so like situational and scenario type things where Carmelo kind of said, hey, um, I think on this situation you probably should have done this. You know, I think that would probably help you get to your spots better or work on this, work on that. And he said one of the biggest things that Carmelo does for him or did for him is encouragement. Mm -hmm. and, and he was just like, that. he's just like super encouraging, keeping my spirits up and letting me know, hey, you're here because you belong here. You deserve to be here. 
and you know you might not necessarily be happy with the way things happen but look at all those people in your class who would kill somebody to be where you are right now so just keep that in mind and keep working never stop working never be satisfied and in a nutshell he was just saying how like he's one of the best teammates he's ever had mm -hmm. and i was thrown for a loop by that and i was just like wow that that's awesome so yeah he has the stigma as i mean he's a he's a shot taker he's a volume scorer um, which sometimes leads you down the avenue that he's a ball hog. He's not a team guy. Right. He's a, he's a get his own numbers guy. Um, so that's that's very, that's shocking to me as well to hear that he's actually, you know, somewhat the polar opposite of what the assumption is of his personality. Right, but but at the same time, we have to consider that teams get players for the things that they're good at doing. Mm -hmm. Carmelo's good at scoring. So mm -hmm. <laughs> he's going to score. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And in order for him to score, he got to take shots. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, kind of, uh, I guess, the, the transition from, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think this is, damn, four or five times you've been on the show. By far, my most frequent customer. Um, we, we, we've talked about Nasir's ascension from basically a top 150 player to a top 10 player in his class, to uh, McDonald's All-American game MVP, Jordan Classic MVP, uh, one-and-done lottery pick. What has, what's, the, what's the most significant change for Nasir, other than obviously monetarily, from going from high school senior to NBA lottery pick, basically in you know, a 12 to 14-month period? Right. Um, to be honest with you, um, I don't think I think the basketball part is something that kind of takes care of itself because mm -hmm. you know you kind of have these goals and everything and you just do those things that are associated with the game itself. The biggest transition, and, and th this is just my opinion, you would have to ask Nasir if he would feel the same way about it. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like one of the biggest transitions is everything that happened happens or happened around basketball. Mm -hmm. And uh, and dealing with those things, and I think for him at every level that he's been, it's it's always been something. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. <laughs> that wasn't necessarily on the court type stuff. Now, granted, I think at UNC, I think some of the it it, it impacted the way things happened on the court, but it wasn't. You know, it was. I think the things that served as the catalyst for how things played out on the court. Those are the things that have been um, the most impactful transitioning pieces of his, his ascension to basically being an unknown nationally with regards to, um, to basketball mm -hmm. and, to where, and to where he is now. And I think um, when you have, for the most part, when you have um, um, late bloomers like Nasir was, yep. Um, I think it's one of the, he's one of those players that, and this is my opinion, the way I feel about it. He's just one of those players that never got the benefit of the doubt. Sure. It was like, like no matter what he did on the court, who he did it against, it, it, it almost seems like there was always a, yeah, but yeah. can a player who's been known for years, been in the national spotlight for years, they could do the same thing or comparable things, right? Or have the same things happen to them. And it would be, interpreted or um 
evaluate it differently between Nasir and that player. Right. Where we, be, we know this player is good. He's going to get there eventually. Right, yeah. exactly, right. exactly. Where it would be a detriment for Nasir, but it would be something that, yeah, I know this happened with this player, but it's, you know, to be a positive. And it was kind of a shoot to the size, but it would be something that would be a flaw that should be watched out for for Nasir. You know, and I, and, you know, maybe it's jealousy. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm old enough to confront how I feel about things, and there's some jealousy and some envy there because I know how hard he worked, and I know how hard he worked to get where he is to have people discount the things that he's done. Um, but even with that being said, um, I think that Nasir he's he's very focused. And he's very steadfast in the things that he wants to do. And as you know, as much as he can, he blocks it out. It just puts his head down and moves forward. Um, just so many different things. I, it's to sit here and name them all like, would take us all day, <laughs> sure. you know. But it's just, but to keep it generic and just kind of put it all in one big basket together. It's just all these little different things that happen off the court. Um, that I think have been the most imp- impactful for his transitioning. But even as much of an impact, even though they've been impactful, I think it played a great part for him getting to where he is today. Is it a, you think it's a situation where he got so good so quickly that the opportunities presented to him, you know, set the bar, kept kept raising the bar higher and higher, and now he's reached a level where, Everybody else is just as good. He's he's kind of playing a little bit of catch up. Is that is that kind of where we're at? Do you think? Hmm. You know, I've, I've never really thought about it like that because that that's interesting. That's an interesting perspective, and I never really quite thought about it like that. But now that you mention it, I think that may be part of it. Um, like I said, he started playing basketball very, very late. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to use that as an excuse for anything, but I think it, it plays a part. Sure. And there are going to be certain things in regards to, like, certain, like, uh, when, like the a certain feel that you may have for certain parts of the game. I think he, he has some catch up to do with that, but he's a quick study. And I don't think it's going to take him forever to get to where he, where he needs to be. But one thing that people fail to realize that they only see, for lack of a better term, the finished product. And I'm using air quotes here. Sure, sure. So they only see the finished product. They don't see everything that goes into him getting so good mm-hmm. so fast. Yeah, they see him for two you know hours on a Tuesday and Thursday. They don't see him at practice. <laughs> right. 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 So people think that, you know, just some, you know, switch was flipped and he was just good and and i think that's what people think about all these players in high school that move up and down the ranks in high school rankings right Mm -hmm. that when a player comes from out of nowhere they truly come from out of nowhere no man these these kids are actually grinding working hard playing you know trying to be good for the love of the game now don't get me wrong there are players who are talented players who are Plan the game that that I would say are not for the right reasons. You know sure, what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but they're talent. They're naturally talented, nonetheless. And I think in the end, it all comes out in the wash. But there are a lot of kids who are busting their humps, man, to to be as good as they can be and get the most out of it that they can get out of it. And that's the part that people don't see. You know, How people has... think that. Good. Go ahead, Michael. No, Martin. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep. No, I was going to say that people think that the only good players in high school basketball, college, or whatever it may 
be are the players that are ranked. No, sure. that ain't the case, man. Yeah. It's so many things that go into these rankings and why people aren't ranked and why people are ranked. You know what I'm saying? And for, for every good player that's in the top 150, there are another 150 kids that will bust their ass on any given day. Sure. And and nine times out of ten, bust the asses of all top 150 players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If given yeah. the opportunity. But circumstances dictate that they don't, and they don't get seen, and all that stuff. So, is, is that why we see so much movement um, among prep stars right now, as far as changing high schools? Is it because of that? You know, you're starting to see high school t- uh, high school basketball on television on ESPN and and, and Flow TV and things like that. Are they looking for, to be to, to receive that exposure? To is, does that help in their ratings? Do you think? Um, I think that I, I don't want to say excuse mm-hmm. because it's a fine line between reasons and excuses. Mm-hmm. And depending on your perspective, it could be either one. So I, so to be to put a positive spin, I'll say that's the reason that people use exposure, mm-hmm. because every time you hear somebody talk about it and a kid changes schools or their parents puts puts them in a certain program or whatever. The, the reason you'll hear is because, you know, my son's good, you know, he's playing here, but, you know, they're not getting the exposure that he that, that I think he needs to get the most opportunity. Sure. So exposure is just a, is a catch-all phrase um, for why you see the movement that you see. And in my experiences and people that I know and things that I've seen, yeah, exposure is a part of it, but a lot of times it's that the parents are looking for something that like people want their kids to be yeah people want their kids to be stars man and and like people like even in high school we ain't really getting shit for it you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying part Mm -hmm. of my language i'm sorry no no you're good but um (laughs) but it's like you're not really getting anything and and people want their kids to be stars so they're gonna they're trying to put their kids in positions to be stars instead of letting it happen now in the circles in which I swing, I can tell you for sure that a lot of these kids, it's these kids want to stay where they are. Okay. And they have, they have their friends and they like being around the people that they know. So when you have people at certain levels, it's not necessarily that they want to leave or change. And people might not believe this, but, then it's not that they want to, it's that they have to, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they have to. And and because um, if you have a player and he's in a he or she is in a certain community and they're starting to ascend on a national level, man, they truly become a big fish in a small pond. And and I look at um, at our small community here in northeast Florida, in the Jacksonville area. We live in a county that's about you know, 45 miles west of Jacksonville proper and Duval County, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a small community. It's a relatively small community. And, um, you know, when Nasir was starting to do his thing in the summer and coming back here, it, 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 it had an impact mm-hmm. on his high school team, you know? And his teammates looked at him a certain way and his coach looked at him a certain way. And the way that things happen, man, it, it necessitated a change where he, he could not be here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
so that's happened with him. And I would and I would be willing to bet you almost anything. It was kind of like maybe sort of kind of like that with Zion, you know, sure, where he, he couldn't he couldn't be, you know, at his regular public school in Spartanburg or, or in the part of South Carolina in, in which he's from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and 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 in the series experience, man, it was almost like some Disney Channel, Nickelodeon <laughs> after school special type shit where it was like, you know, how kids get together. It's, it's, it's almost like a made for TV movie where it was more so like, yeah, you don't need to be with us. You're too big of a star. You can't hang with us like that type of thing. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and it was like. Boy meets world, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, man. I was like, damn, you know, it really goes down like that. And, you know, so it was like, I can't be here. So, you know, so he made the change that he made. And I can, I will be willing to bet you almost anything that a lot of the other top tier kids make that change because they have to, not necessarily because they want to. Now, where you see the volatile movement and the volatile change are amongst the players and their parents who think that their kid should be in those, in that top tier. Mm -hmm. So they're moving searching for where they can get to that point or where they can or where they believe they can get to that point but i can tell you it's always going to be something no matter where you go so now that now that nasir is you know no longer in high school no longer going through the recruitment process no longer in aau are you are you staying are you still active in those circles are you are you still attending events and and does that still hold your interest or, or have you kind of moved on from that scene no not at all but but I'm limited to the state. Of, I limit myself to the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. So on a, on a national level, not so much like nationally. I know the kids that everybody else knows because you see them everywhere. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I know those kids, but in Florida, I'm more into it from a spectator perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't involve myself in anything. Now, I get calls from parents from time to time saying, Hey, what did you do? You know, what do you think I need to do? You know, now, I get that, but I just look because I'm interested to see how kids are developing. And, and I just enjoy it, just mm -hmm. yeah. watching kids grow and develop in basketball and, and seeing hidden gems and stuff like that. I just, I just enjoy it. So I keep an eye on the stuff that's going on in Florida more actively than I do nationally. Is there is there a player that you've seen? Like you know, we've talked about exposure and and things <laughs> of that nature. Is there a player that you've seen down in Florida that maybe isn't getting the attention that he or she deserves? Um, a couple actually, mm -hmm. man. I, kids that I think are really really good, but their their numbers because of what because of their respective situations, mm -hmm. their numbers. If you just look at numbers, you would say, "Damn, this kid only averages nine points a game. He yep. can't be good." But there are two kids here in Florida, and and a third one too. But I think he's a, he's a little bit um a little bit above. But there are two kids. One graduated this year, and one graduates next year. That I think are really really good. But people don't, you know. But but they're just not known on a national level because of their respective circumstances. Mm -hmm. You you want their names or yeah, man, I'll take them. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll okay. Look this, yeah. Okay, fuck like it. Let's do it. All right. So, um, I love it. <laughs> so the the first kid I want to talk about, he I think he graduates next year. His name is Jalen Smith. Okay. 
He's uh, he's a six three six four guard um, who goes to um, Oak Ridge down in Orlando or in the Orlando area. Um, now the reason why I say this kid is good because I watched this kid since he was in the eighth grade, mm-hmm. and um, he started playing at a private school in Orlando called um, Faith Academy. Okay, yeah. He 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 was small skinny just a little he, was, he wasn't tall you know but he could shoot and he just had a feel for the game getting to his spots right and just even though ocp was blowing out faith academy mm-hmm. he's this kid out. was doing his thing this kid he just popped you know what i'm saying Yep. So fast forward a couple of years, he transfers out of faith and he goes to, to Oak Ridge. Now he's on the Oak Ridge team um, with Chris, you know, CJ Walker, who goes to Oregon now. Yes, sir. Yep. So he's on the same team with him, Niven Hart, um, same team that um, for his senior year that um, Emmett Williams played for. Rob Perry, who goes to Stetson. So they on that team, they all play for um, Steve Reese, mm-hmm. who's um, the head coach of um, Each One Teach One. And um, he's the head coach at, um, at Oak Ridge as well. Man, this kid, I watched him physically grow and watched his game grow. So now he's 6'3". Now he's very skinny and wiry, but he's never lost his ability to shoot. And now he has a little bit more athleticism getting to the basket. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He can dunk and all that stuff, but his shooting makes him stick out. And I'm telling you, he's not known nationally, but I think he should be. And if he ever gets in the right position and he gets on that national stage and whoever gets him when he goes to college, I'm telling you, <laughs> this kid is going to be awesome. He might not be a one and done. I'm not saying that. Sure. Yeah. What I am saying is that this kid is mad talented and people are sleeping on him. And he is he is the definition of underrated. Nice. And and, and he, he is really, really good. So that's the first kid. The second kid is a kid named Emmanuel Maldonado. Are you familiar with that name at all? No, sir. All right. I'm going to tell you why Sounds you're like not familiar player, with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why you don't why you don't know. You don't know his name because everybody in the social media sphere only refers to him as number three, okay. and they only refer to him to number three because he played on the teams with Julian Newman at Downey Christian Academy and okay. as of late at Prodigy Prep. Are you familiar with Julian Newman? I've heard the name, I believe, but uh, not not to see him uh, okay. or, or see him play. No. <laughs> Right. Okay. So Julian Newman, Julie, excuse me, Julian Newman is like this, this social media phenomenon with regards to basketball, right. where he's been, for lack of a better term, famous since he was like in elementary school, fifth or sixth grade, right? <laughs> where he's just like a like a dribbling savant. You know, mm-hmm. he can shoot with range and all this stuff. Small kid, but a score and all this stuff. It's very very popular. So Emmanuel has been playing on his team for the last couple of years. Julian gets all the media coverage and all the hype and all that stuff like that. But if you truly like basketball or know, not necessarily like basketball, but if you know basketball and you watch the games in which those teams played, you know 
that this this um, straw that stirs that drink is Emmanuel Maldonado. This kid is about six two, six three, and can shoot the lights out. He can drive. He's shifty. He can dribble. Just everything. And if you watch him, well, let, let, let me just say this: when I watch the, those teams play, I can't keep my eyes off of him. <laughs> And if people were really doing their jobs as scouts and evaluators, they would say the same thing. But I just don't feel they do that. What they do is nobody evaluates anything. What they do is that's that's why when you look at the scouting services, they all say the same thing about the same players. And maybe a little bit of perturbation in the movement here and there. But generally speaking, people just look at what what other people say and they say, well, these are the top ranked players. But I'm telling you, if you ever get to see this kid play, you I think you'll say the same thing. Because I think you have a, a different understanding and a different appreciation for the game than most people. And you could look at this kid and say, I see why T saying this kid is good. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm have, to, you, he's have good. to jump on the old interweb today and, and do some stuff <laughs> and see if I can find this kid. Yeah, so those two names, man, Jalen Smith at Oak Ridge. And um, Emmanuel Maldonado, um, as of late, out of Prodigy Prep. Th- those are the two kids. And it's a kid here in the um, Jacksonville area. I think his last name is Adams. I went to see Paxson play one time when I wasn't on the road traveling for work just to go watch the game. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, he was the player of the year here in the um, First Coast area. He went to Paxson High School. And he's going to be a freshman at UCF this year. Okay. I think his name is, I think his name is Isaiah Adams, if I, I – I, I have to look it up, but I believe his name is Isaiah Adams. Six seven wing player. Yeah. It's good, yeah. man. He, he's good. Yeah, he's really, really good. So keep an eye out for him as well. And I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see what he's going to do down there at UCF under Coach Dawkins and Stink and the staff down there for UCF. So um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that because that kid, he's really talented. And I think, and I personally think he's going to be. Um, you know, one of the next big talents out of the First Coast area along the lines of, uh, you know, Ladarian Griffin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's my man who went to Duke? God, I can't believe I forgot his name. Grace, Grayson Allen. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Grayson <laughs> Allen. Yudoka um, Azubuki, even though he's, you know, he's a foreign player. Um, Jason Brunel. I mean, all these different players from this area here, and he, I think he's going to be next in line for those types of good players from the Duval um, Duval County area. Man, this, this is very, very good. So. Sounds like Dawkins got himself a diamond in the rough as well. He, I, I think he did, I, and I think he's going to he's going to shock a lot of people. And he's playing in a good conference for him to to really, really shine. You know, what I'm saying Conference yeah. USA yeah, yeah. is going to be, uh, uh, excuse me, the American is going to be a, the American conference is going to be good for him so that's good to go i think he'll be good to go nice um one thing i don't wanted to touch on real quick now that we're kind of we've arrived at the college level is this very interesting story um about ty lawson kind of out of nowhere releasing this this tirade or on his on his instagram about assumingly roy williams um is this is this on your radar at all what do you think? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
what I, I know that you know the the media the media tried to kind of manufacture a rift between Nasir and Roy. I thought it was kind of unfounded. Mm-hmm. I think you know Nasir at the time dismissed it as as kind of blasphemy. Um, you know, I, in the past we've spoke about your relationship with with Coach Williams. Does this does this sound like we need to hear the other side of the story, or, or what's your opinion on this? Um. All right, let me let me kind of slow down a little bit here because sure. I don't want to say the wrong thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, I want to be as open and honest as I can be about things. Now, this this will be something that I might I don't even want to all sides the type of thing. So, mm-hmm. fucking man, well let's just go. All right, <laughs> so 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 let, let's let's start at, at the beginning with the whole thing. So. When when it happened, I wasn't really looking for it. Not but as is. soon as as soon as it dropped, my my any social media in which you can receive private messages and the people who have my phone number text me. I was getting bombarded with stuff. Hey, you seen this? And it was all. Hey, man, did you see this? Hey, I know you saw this shit. And hey, mm-hmm. what you think about this? You know what I'm saying? So I was getting a lot of that. So then I went back and kind of read it. Right mm-hmm. now, it was kind of triggering. Not necessarily because of what Ty Lawson said, but because of the responses that what he allegedly said elicited from Carolina fans, right? Mm-hmm. So the it's the responses from Carolina fans that kind of caught my interest, yeah, right? Fight or flight, and they chose the fight. Exactly, right? Yep. And my and my problem with it is is that fans think that everybody is a fan like they are. Sure. So they only have the perspective of a fan. They have no insight to anything. Right. So all they know is they love Carolina and nothing is wrong with Carolina. <laughs> and by extension, nothing is wrong with Roy. Sure. Right? So there's this built-in um, benefit of the doubt that Roy Williams is going to get. And not just, I don't want to limit to just Roy Williams, but to any big-time college coach. No, to any college coach, period. Sure. They're, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt because in the in the long and short of it, the burden is going to always fall on the player. I don't care what the situation is. A player plays good, now the coach will get credit for that. Sure, he developed him. Oh, yeah. Coach is great. Oh, man, he developed him. But if the, if the player doesn't do what they thought he was going to do, then it's, the, it's only the player's fault. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then every other burden that is associated with any team is always going to fall on the player. They have the burden of trying not to make the team look bad. They have the burden of not bad-mouthing teammates. They have the burden of whatever it is. Because in, even going into the NBA, anything that goes along with the program, if it's something that can be deemed as negative, it's going to be held against the player. Mm-hmm. Period. Coach doesn't. Coach doesn't have any skin in the game. Only the only skin he has again is from a recruiting perspective. So he can say, "I got these players to the NBA." Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And as a, from a little bit of a tangent, do you do you think for one second that Kobe White's ascension to the lottery <laughs> is not something that Roy Williams is is um touting when he's going out on recruiting trips? Oh, it's absolutely. If, yeah, I mean, if, 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 we, yeah. we've we've said the same thing about Tom Crean for years. Tom Crean has been eating on the recruiting trail based on getting Dwayne Wade to the NBA for 15 years. 
And, right. Uh, you know, it's like that, that one guy, and you know he's throwing that out there on every recruiting visit. Right. I'm sorry to kind of get off track. But anyway, so 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 there's that part, right? <clears throat> so my problem is is that fans are, are sycophants, period. Mm-hmm. So the thing they're going to do is is that if anybody says anything bad about the precious Roy Williams, they're going to be like a pack of wild dogs attacking, mm-hmm. you know, piranhas and bloody meat in the water, whatever it is. So they're going <laughs> to bash anybody who says anything about Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. Now, before this stuff came out, everybody loved, everybody from Carolina loved Ty Lawson. Oh, championship team, our yeah. point guard, blah, 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 blah. Soon as he comes out and says something bad about Roy Williams, he's the guy oh, that got the man, DUI. Don't blame Roy Williams because you got a substance abuse problem. That's right. Uh, it's it's not Roy's fault that you didn't you know plan it pan out in the NBA. So now it's all his fault. No, you're the reason why you're not there, Roy. Uh, oh, or this is the one that kind of got me. Roy Williams isn't gonna lie for you. He's not. <laughs> he's not built like that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here like. You, you so you think Roy Williams doesn't lie or hasn't lied? So so that's the that's the logic that they're working with, right? Mm-hmm. So then so then there's that part. And for me, what's hard is like have people who attack um, who attack Ty Lawson or whatever it may be for once ever considered that quite possibly. That Roy Williams is not as straight up a guy as they think that he is. <laughs> could, 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 wow, could, you're you're really going up in the deep water now, man. You're going to get more texts after this is released. I guarantee it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just I'm just asking the question because it's so one sided. Sure. Have they have they ever even considered that anything that anyone says that is negative against Roy Williams can't be true? Have they ever considered that it's true? <laughs> they, they've not once. They they've not once. For I don't think, based on their responses, said hey, anything's possible, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, he's I old mean, Roy, right? He's a good old boy, you're right? Yeah, right. yeah, he's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they've not once considered that he could be a truly shitty person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that that no one that they've never they've never thought that. You know, so. And now for me, now for me, and I think, and this is not just for Wings, but this is any college basketball coach, and they know this. These coaches know this, mm-hmm. and and they move and navigate their world with this knowledge. So you know, yeah. so so what impact is it going to have to them? They don't have to come out and say, "Ah, oh, I'm not that person," because they know they have a legion of fans out there that are going to do it for them. Yeah, they're, they're, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they're just following. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right, exactly. Whether it's true or not, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They know that the positive is going to be given to them, and the negative is going to be given to the player, re- regardless. All right. Yes, sir. All right. So now, so then, there's that part. Now, I read what um, Ty Lawson allegedly wrote, and I'll say allegedly because I haven't. Because I don't know if he was hacked or if he came out and said he was hacked. I, I don't know. Sure. So so I don't want to say, yeah, that he wrote it. I don't know this. Mm-hmm. But I, I looked at it, and it was, I'll say it was triggering to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, was, it, was, it was triggering to me. And I, and I looked at it and said, hmm, wow, okay, interesting. You know, 
and I just kind of left it at that. Now, the reason why I don't go in about things or you know invest myself in certain things that are going on with other players because I don't know the whole story. Absolutely, and that's you know a misstep I, that so many people make is, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but. People hear one side, assume they know everything that happened in a certain room somewhere that they were not present in, and they just go with it and run full bore. And that's exactly. one of the things that pisses me off, and I, I can't stand it. And I'm not saying I haven't been guilty of it in the past, but I try right. to let things work themselves out a little bit so we can at least get you know, 80% of the story instead of the 15% in the first five minutes. Exactly. Everybody wants to be first instead of being right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's going to read the initial headline. And then when you do a retraction or do an update, no one cares about that because the bad, what the bad stuff has already been put out. Yeah, you already got the clicks. You already sold the papers. Right, exactly. And my thing is this. I don't care what anyone says. And, and, I, and I hold this to be, I mean, this is almost gospel to me. There's his side. In regards to Ty Lawson, then there's what Coach Williams is going to tell you and, and his truth. staff, and then there's the truth somewhere between those two extremes. That's right. There's going to be common strands at every point. You know what I'm saying? But what really happened is in between Ty Lawson and Coach Williams. What happened? What happened in um, the middle between? I believe what is my family and Coach Williams, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And other players throughout the history of the program as well. You know, but but it goes back to <laughs> carrying the burden. Do you do you honestly believe that every player that ever played for Carolina while Coach Williams was there loves the hell out of Coach Williams? No. You would be stupid to believe no. that. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So but what the difference is, is that players care necessarily more about the program and the impact it will have on the program of Carolina basketball. Not necessarily how it impact Coach Williams, but Carolina basketball. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to take away from that. And that's what people need to consider. They, you know, they, whatever, but whatever they got to do to make themselves happy about, Carolina basketball and how they feel about it and how they reconcile it, fine, you know, whatever. But but they have to be cognizant of other people and be aware that just because you don't hear from players doesn't mean that everything was all roses sure. with them and Coach Williams because I don't believe that it was. It, it can't be. No, there was something you know there. Something, something was happened. Something was said in a room that we, did, we were right. privileged to. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the thing is, but, but what happens is, is that players understand that if they come out and say the impact it will have on the program, mm -hmm. and they don't. For me, I will allude to certain things. And, and I, I don't want it to, I don't want to, I'm not trying to say um, that I was thoroughly happy. I don't care if people know that I was unhappy with the way Nasir's basketball experience went at Carolina. Mm -hmm. I was unhappy about that but i think and you can draw from that whatever you want to draw from <laughs> it but i'm not gonna be out here man f coach Williams, man <laughs> I, I, this is this is not this is just not me yeah. i don't do that 
and I'm not going to put other people's business out there. It ain't my place to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's quite it's quite possible that I've heard rumblings from other players or I've heard things from people. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, people who have a program in common talk. And we talk about our experience, sure. experiences with the program because that's the level on which we know each other. So we talk about the things that we have in common. So I've heard everything on every on both ends of the poles, you know what I'm saying, sure. from the most positive to the most negative. So I've heard it all and everything in between, you know. So so I, I, I do with that and take it and, and just hold it dear to me and compare it to what my experience my experience was. Now, my experience wasn't good because I'm a father and I'm always in a protective mode for my child. And if I think someone's doing something that's detrimental to my child, then I'm going to get pissed off. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I can tell you this. Nasir is proud to have been a part of the Carolina basketball program, and he holds that dear. It means something to him. It means a lot to him. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But just be, but just because he doesn't, he doesn't kind of do this whole waving the flag the way that you want him to wave the flag doesn't give you a right to imply negativity on his behalf. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things that you're, I think you're referring to is like there was like a a media outlet in Carolina that there was a, a um, there was a post that that a player made where a player said something more so about how coaches impact you or how, you know what I'm saying? That coaches impact confidence. It was something to that. Effect. It was, I can't if, remember. If exactly I remember correctly, it was, it was um, something about the way he was being used or the way he was being utilized in the offense. Um, oh, it, that, that yeah. was at the draft. That was at the draft. Okay. Okay. So, so at the draft, when he went and worked out for Detroit, when Nasha went and worked out for Detroit, um, one, I think one of the reporters there asked him a question about, you know, what was the, you know, he's a, you know, because uh, he had a really good workout for Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. And and the people in the media were like, oh, crap, you know, it's kids, you know, it's kids, good, you know. And um, so they were saying, so, so they were asking him, like, you know, kind of what was the problem? And I think they used the word problem mm -hmm. at Carolina. And Nasir's response was like, I don't necessarily have a problem, but I think that because of my versatilities, the coaches just didn't really know what to do with me. Sure. They didn't know how to use me, mm -hmm. which, I, which I think is a fair statement. Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. when it got back, but when it got back to Carolina in the Carolina media outlets, it became, why weren't you successful at Carolina? <laughs> That's the way they wrote it. Right. Why weren't you successful at Carolina? And, and and they only put in the headline it was the coach's fault, and that that's not what was said. Right. There's a particular jur journalist in particular that I have a problem with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and there and there and there's and there are some extenuating and surrounding circumstances with this particular journalist. Journalist, and I don't want to put it out there. But and so and when this happened and he wrote this story, I called him. I, I called him, I text him, all this stuff, right? Now, before all of this, this motherfucker couldn't keep his, his keep my number out of his phone with, call, with, with calling me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, can I interview? Can I talk to you? This, that, right? 
So, but when he puts out this story, and I call him, is this a local local to, Chapel Hill guy or a national guy? Um, he's regional. Regional. He's okay. a regional yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a regional guy. And uh, yeah, he's regional. I don't even want to because no, no, I'm not looking for the name. I'm just I'm just I'm trying to. You know. You'll be able to put the dots together oh, if yeah. I tell you who he, who he writes for. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'll probably be able to figure it out regardless. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. So he, he, he puts it, and I'm trying to call him, right? And I sent him this long text. It wasn't angry or nothing. It was just like, hey, I saw the piece you put out. I got to <laughs> say, you were, I, I, I got I to gotta tell you, I feel a way about it. And you, you put this out for reasons unbeknownst. But, hey, I'm going to be in Carolina. You know, I'm coming up there. I'm going to be in the Raleigh-Durham area. This is where I'll be staying. Come talk to me. <laughs> Did he show up? What do you think? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Because we, we would have had, because trust me, I, I would have asked him a couple of questions. And if I didn't get the answers I was looking for, <laughs> one of us was going to wear an ass with me. One of us. <laughs> Oh, it's fucking great. <laughs> One of us was, but anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but so that was something different. But what I'm talking about is it was like the it was like the the campus paper. They had um, Nasir had posted in response to a high school player that he played with who made a comment about a coach, right? Mm-hmm. And and um. And Nasir said, this is what I've been trying to get people to understand, that it's not always about the player. Different circumstances impact what happens on the court. That was Nasir's, the gist of his his, his tweet, right? Sure. So the guys who work at this newspaper in Chapel Hill wrote a whole freaking article about it saying, was Nasir Little subtweeting Coach Williams? So then it got into this, it, it became a hit piece on Nod. Oh, uh, well, he's sour grapes because he only averaged 10 and 5, you know. <laughs> and then one and I'm just, in the lottery. So, yeah. And then, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so people are saying, you know, so it was like, and it became negative. So I, could, I didn't have these guys' um, contact information. So I reached out to another journalist there in, Carol, in Carolina who, I, who has always been fair to Nasir and my family, mm-hmm. and who I generally think is a good person, and I think is a person that I would be willing to share almost anything with, good, bad, and different, sure. right? And that's Sherelle McMillan, mm-hmm. right? Sherelle McMillan, to me, is a good, fair journalist. He just, he gives the facts, and he's compassionate and considerate about other people. If it's not good, he'll write it in a way that it's not offensive. Mm-hmm. And, and, I pre- and I appreciate that, right? But these guys were looking for negative. So I, I, I said, hey, Matt, give these guys my information. Tell them to call me, right? So the, um, the, the guy who wrote the article called me in a conference call with the editor of the newspaper. And I'm trying to be calm. And I'm trying to be cool because I know that my ignorance is going to impact on is going to impact Nas. You know what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. I get out here and I act the whole ass publicly, I know that that's going to be a negative impact to my son, and I don't want that. So I don't want to be a detriment to any opportunity that he may have, and then I mess it up. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to do that. So I have to comport myself 
in a way that I want people, that I want to be genuine in my feelings and let you know how I feel and say, hey, man, this pissed me off. I'm, I'm sure. unhappy about this. But I also don't want to be like, you better, but, but, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that either because I know that if I, if I get to a certain point verbally, the only way I'm going to be able to satiate my anger is physically. I, I, I gotta, I gotta fight you at that point. That's the only, that's the only way I can get, I can feel vindicated. But then the spotlight, the spotlight's on you instead of Nasir. And then it's, you know what's this kid's family? What what's all this nonsense? And you and you know how they're going to spin it because they want those clicks. They want to sell those papers, right. and then you know you're actually becoming the detriment to Nasir. Right, exactly. Of, yeah. <clears throat> so I so the guys called me, and I'm in, and I'm and here's the thing that kills me. At the time when this article came out, I am actually on the road for work, and I can't. I think and as a matter of fact, I think I was in Wilmington. I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, for work. And, um, My and the guy called me, right, right. I love the beach. I love there, Wilmington, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was, um, in the conference room cause I told everybody, I said, Hey, I got it. I got this conference call. So I was in the conference room and, um, so I told the dude, say, Hey, I saw the article that you wrote and I said, you guys could not be more wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, well, we wrote it, and now that we got you on the phone, you know, you can help. You can help give us clarity. Yeah. And I said, I said I'm not giving you anything. Yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Go over here. No, really. Yeah. For real, Mike. That that's that's where I was with it. Now, I didn't say that. Sure. But but, the, but my accent was like, no, I'm not giving you guys anything. But but I want you to know that you're wrong, and I rec- and I really want you guys to to issue a retraction of that freaking article because it's. It's wrong, and you're insinuating things that you don't, you don't, you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And 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 I did say this, and I and I did say this. I said the only, I said there's only two things that two things that you could do to write this article that you just wrote it on your own volition mm-hmm. and felt like you were doing something clever, or Coach Williams told y'all to write that article. That that's and I, I said that to them. I, I did. I said that. Do you think that's and a real you know, actual possibility? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know, but there's like, well, we don't talk to coach Williams blah, 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 blah. and then coach, <laughs> and then coach Williams will tell you how oh, I don't like the press and all that shit like that. You hear, so you hear all that, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, obviously, but you know, they denied that and they said, well, <laughs> and essentially it came out to the point where they said they're not going to take it down. And I said, cool and i said but my thing is you take it. i said i can't make you take it down mm-hmm. and i said but i can tell you that you're wrong and you're and you're painting my son in a negative light and he's and he's done nothing but be a standard bearer for carolina mm-hmm. and represents carolina well you never hear him bad mouth carolina you know what i'm saying or say anything bad about the carolina community and I always thought it was a great community. And don't get me wrong, there are people who are fans of Carolina who are some of the most awesome people I have ever met in my life. Yeah. But you tend not to pay attention to to those hundreds of thousands of people who are great people and great fans, right? Mm-hmm. And great supporters. But it's those five or ten people who always have something negative to say that, that get your attention the most. Sure. You know, they you know say ten percent of the people make ninety percent of the noise. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Where it could be a hundred it could be a hundred good things said, 
but it's that one bad thing that you'll focus on, and that's what I'm guilty of. I focus on that bad thing, sure. I think and I have do. to, re- and I have, yeah, and I have to remind myself. You know what I'm saying? Look at all this good stuff that people are seeing. Absolutely. But then you've got this jackass over here who's trying, who thinks they're being funny or fails to recognize a person's humanity and think that they can say whatever they want to say about people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, hold on a second, Mike. Give, yeah. me, give me one second, Mike. Give me one second. <coughs> I apologize for the coughing, everybody. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. So, um, so you know, and it's just, and you know, I get caught up in that, but I've been working on that really, really hard, and I really try to focus on the positive stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult to do, um, especially so, in, a, in a social media time that we're in right, now. right. So <clears> that, so that was the the media part that I was talking about, and people trying to create a rift mm-hmm. between Nas and UNC, or particularly Coach Williams. I have forgotten about thing about the, when he was in Detroit with the, at the draft. I have long pushed that in the back. So <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we've kind of dipped our toe in the water here as far as, um, you know, the social media impact, uh, media mm-hmm. impact, um, how things are spun um, against individuals while others are given the benefit of the doubt. Before I let you go, um, you know, I wanted to get some thoughts on, you know, the state of things in our country right now. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I try to, I try to tread as lightly as I can, but I have a, an inability. I think much, much like what you're describing with yourself, to I can only accept so much before I'm going to open my mouth. And sometimes I'm not the most articulate guy. Um, Right, you know, to pile on with that, I am, you know, I'm a self-identified conservative. Now that doesn't mean I'm a Trump supporter, but right. you know, I'm a white conservative, mid-thirties male. So I am often seen as the enemy of almost everybody. Um, right. And and one thing that uh, you know I felt comfortable with bringing you on because we've had so many really great conversations on this show is to get your opinion and maybe try to see it from a different angle than what I am maybe able to see it. Um, I think this started a few weeks ago when Joe Biden made some ridiculous comment that if, if you don't vote Democrat, you're not black enough. Um, I kind of brush him off at this point as just a fucking crazy old man who I cannot believe is going to be an option for president. Um, you know, Jimmy Fallon, um, some video, you know, surfaces of, of him in, in blackface, um, from from a comedy show years ago, um, I, the Biden comments, like I said, I just kind of brush that shit off. The Fallon thing with the cancel culture and actually Jimmy Kimmel as well when he dressed up as Carl Malone. In in the, in a realm of comedy where they're trying to be comedic, is that a problem for you? Oh, wow. So it's, um, it's, it's nuanced with me. Okay. All right. And I have to be honest with you. It depends on who it is. <laughs> I, I, I know that's not what people want to hear or what I feel the spirit of it is. It, does that make sense? Yes. Yep. And whether it's mean um, spirit or meant for comedic value. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it depends. And we, and we reconcile the things that we want to sit well with us. 
So if it's somebody that we like or somebody that we support, we'll find a way to make it okay right. for ourselves, right? And and that's I think that's what we tend to do as people, you know. Um, with with the Joe Biden, I just thought it was a ridiculously stupid thing to say. Yes, like you. <laughs> As a black person, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I, I think there are enough things out there, both <clears throat> internally and externally, that tells me what my blackness is, <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> I, 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 have, I have enough things out there that tries to inform me as a person who has to live my life on what it is to be black, right? Mm-hmm. And and so and it was stupid and it pissed me off, right? But my but my reconciliation is like, well, I I, I think maybe he he might have the political acumen to kind of I, I I don't know. Yeah, it, is he a, is he a crazy old man? Probably. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, if you're in his camp, if you're standing on that stage with him and he says that, you have to just be like, how in the fuck do I get off this stage right now? <laughs> or you got to say. How do I get him off? This <laughs> That's, <thing>? right. That's <laughs> right. And it was just like it was like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was just like, even if you think it, mm-hmm. even if you feel that way, what gives you the unmitigated gall to say something like that publicly? Mm-hmm. It's it's offensive and it's stupid. It's a lack of self awareness. It's it's those are the words that I'm looking for. You completely, completely with a lack of self-awareness and i'm just like any any chance that you did have of winning the the, the presidency you have really put a dent in that right now with <laughs> that stupid ass shot, statement sure. <laughs> with that stupid ass statement and now it's just like and then people just like with their conscience like people people heard that and they want to vote for him mm-hmm. people want to vote for him but now they gotta live. They have to live with the aftermath of voting for him. When the the next time they're out there publicly castigating someone from the opposite side of the political ideology fence mm-hmm. for saying something similar, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and that is, and if you can live with yourself, hey, do you? You know what I'm saying. But you know, you got to draw your own line. Sure. So, with, in regards to that, that's stupid. Now, with the comedians. I just don't feel the things that, that I didn't even see, you know, um, Jimmy Fallon. I, I didn't even see that. I watched Jimmy Kimmel do Carl Malone from years back on the Man Show. Sure, yes. <laughs> and it was and it was always funny and yep. not offensive. Now it was funny because I'm not necessarily a fan of Carl Malone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so go for it. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't think it, I don't think it was mean spirited. It was funny. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you have him as Jimmy Kimmel with the bald wig on, but with white skin, it kind of takes away from the funny. Yeah, yeah. you know. What I'm and and <laughs> I brought that up before. Like it's it's you know you got Dave Chappelle doing Chappelle's show in white face. Um, you know you got the Wayans brothers doing that movie where they dressed up as white white girls. chicks. Yeah, right. Exactly. And exactly. Not that not that that's a big deal because I don't care. It's it's not even on my radar. But that that's kind of where I find myself needing to expand my horizons a little bit, I immediately right. go into defense mode. Well, look at what these guys are doing. And I have to kind of right. take a step back and say, well, 
you know, going back to when I was four years old, two wrongs don't make a right. But I don't right. necessarily see what Chappelle and what the Wayans brothers did as wrong. I don't have a problem with it, and it's difficult for me to understand why others have a problem with it. Right, and I and, and now from that perspective, I get it, and I feel the same way to an extent. Mm-hmm. But I think what it is is that for black people, people, black people that I know tie the historical context sure. of blackface to to it all. And the reason why they do that is because, um, you know, post-antebellum or, I guess, um, like, pre-civil rights and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, when people were coming out of slavery and stuff like that, and there were black entertainers, right? So in order for them to get work, they had to become <clears throat> caricatures of themselves. Sure. And it was all, And it was also an extension from the black face that was in um birth of a nation where they had like where they had like white people in black face yes kind of um uh portraying what were the worst stereotypical traits about black people in the south post antebellum so that historical context makes it a bit more painful for black people because it all puts it's all kind of put in the same vein Mm -hmm. when people do blackface where there's not the historical context of white people having to put on extreme white face <laughs> to earn money as right. entertainers. Right. But there were black entertainers and performers who had to become characters of themselves and put on black makeup with the exaggerated lips and the exaggerated eyes, and, you know, yeah. that type of stuff to, to, to make money. And I think that's, you know, and, and they had to portray the worst stereotypes about black people. Yes. So when they say, so that's the context and the vein in which people view it. And that's when it becomes offensive. So when you put on, when you're an everyday person, right? Mm-hmm. And you put on black face makeup and you put on a pimp suit and a pimp hat and a fake gold chain. It, it's offensive to me. Yeah. That's, you know. Or you got fake grills in your mouth and all that type of stuff like that. And doing these exaggerated hand, hip-hop hand movements and stuff like that. It's it, That's when it becomes offensive. But if you're Jimmy Fallon and you can't do... And you're trying to make fun of Chris Rock. Yeah. You don't have exaggerated lips, exaggerated eyes. You just have dark skin on. And you're doing your Chris Rock vocal, you know, imitation... <laughs> <clears throat> that's funny right. that's funny you know what i'm saying so <laughs> you know? how how is it well i'm not gonna say how it's different i obviously know how it's different but how does it make you feel when you see like Chappelle come out in a pimp suit with a grill and, and beads and dreads and oh, is that obviously that's a different situation i'm not blind to that but how, right. how does that make you feel when he portrays that stereotype in the in the com in the comedic vein it don't bother me a bit. <laughs> I love the honesty, man. I fucking love it. <clears throat> it doesn't. It doesn't bother me a bit. And, you know, for for a number of reasons. Sure. You know, because Dave Chappelle is the funniest I, man on the planet. Is one of the biggest ones, right? There's that, and then I think, and I think, and I think there's a certain a certain amount of comedic commentary that he's doing in the physical presentation. Right. Yes, that 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 makes it even funnier. Mm-hmm. His, you know, the and specials he, he put out a couple years ago, man. I 
I, I've watched him half a dozen times. The man is just, he's got it. Whatever it is, is. Man, he, he does, man. He, he really does, man. I, I, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about Dave Chappelle. Have you but, ever met Dave but Chappelle? I get, I've never met him. Oh. I, I've never met him. I, I, trust me, that would that would have been a highlight of my life should I ever get an opportunity. Me to too, him. me too. But, you know, but I think for, for me and that whole thing and, and that type of thing, it's, you know, it's, it's so nuanced, but it's not binary. Everybody thinks that you have to be for or against something. Sure. It's a lot of, it's a lot of gray area in between these different extremes, man, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't have to be a reason why I feel a way about something. I just do. Right. And you, and your, and your experiences inform how you are, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So whatever your experience is going to inform the way you respond to certain things that happen. Growing up as a as a black man in this country, to see Dave Chappelle wear white face, shit's funny, man. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> it is, it is for sure. It's funny, you know. And 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 I think when you talk about, and he does some things that people would consider stereotypical with regards to to white people. But I think a lot of times when when people do that, I think the by and large the the stereotypes are positive. You know what I'm mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, like when you do, when you put on white faces, you put on white faces, it's a rich guy. Yeah, I can, or, I can laugh at that. I, 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 I'm I, able to identify the ridiculousness of white culture, and it's fucking hilarious to me. I've laughed my ass off, man. Right, and I know it. And this is this is probably going to shock you, but I know a lot of white people. <laughs> <laughs> really, in Florida, really, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> and 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 um, and and you see, you see behaviors that you see that are like, damn, Dave Chappelle nailed that, <laughs> and this, or 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 you will say, eh, you're kind of off on that. Yeah. You know, I've seen everything in between, man. So. It all exists, and, and like I said before, we reconcile the things we want to reconcile to make it make sense to us, mm-hmm. and that's what I do. I'm, I'm not binary, man. I'm, I'm hexadecimal, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, so, you know, I mean, there's that. I mean, I, I, and everything that I like is not going to be right, I guess, if there is a, a universal right, you know yeah, what I'm saying? whatever that so, may be, I mean, right. Yeah, whatever that may be. Some things I I, I like some fucked up shit. I, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I really do. You know, and 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 I I feel like I'm gonna have to explain it to anyone. No, you know what I'm saying? No. But in the end, my thing is is that I want to be considerate of others. Right. So if you're if you're making an artistic presentation, and it doesn't bother me, then I'm cool with it. But then if it does bother me, then I ain't cool with it. Sure. It's just as simple, it's as simple as that, you know? I think it's... I'm, I'm very similar to you. I, I think the key is to not try to push your beliefs onto somebody who has their own... Everybody has their own belief system. And, right, you know, I, right. I think last night I said, fuck it, and I deleted Twitter off my phone because... Oh, wow. The, the, the craziness of it right now is just too much. I, you know, I did it back in April. April was a great month for me. I wasn't distracted right. by that, that medium, that, by that vehicle. Um, obviously, everything going on with the George, uh, George Floyd murder, which I use the mm-hmm. word murder defiantly or definitely because that was a fucking murder. Okay. Um, right. What I, where I run into problems and, again, where I can't shut the fuck up, and that's a problem for mm-hmm. me, is that... It builds up when I read the Twitter feed and then I just got to say something and sometimes it's not the most articulate way to say it. 
Right. I, I don't... The fact that George Floyd was murdered does not mean that you need to say, fuck all cops. I, I don't believe right. that. That cop and those four cops were wrong. It, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go downtown and start you know, berating police officers or, or, or that because those guys aren't responsible for this, this tragedy. Um, right. I, it's, it's difficult for me because like I said, you know, I am who I am. I belong to the community that I belong to. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can be immediately dismissed. Right. I, I, I think the other thing that bothers me is, and I, I got to ask you, does when I think it sounds patronizing, it's the way I mm-hmm. interpret it when white people think they need to stick up for the black community, like they need to defend them. Does that is is that how you is that how as a black man you feel that you're being patronized when these people try to, you know, hold, no, no, I got this for you. Is that is that a thing or is that just me being weird? No, uh, no, I, it's it's not. But I, I got to kind of I got to supply comp context to it sure. first. You know what, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yep. So, like, for for me, when I see this whole thing about, you know, you want to go and, and break cops and stuff like that. Now, when you're when you're taking it to individual police officers, mm-hmm. I, I get that. I think that's wrong because I have family, mm-hmm. <laughs> friends, and and otherwise that are in law enforcement. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And and um and I don't want to see anything bad happen to any of them when they're not the ones who've done anything. And I know and I know these people are good people, mm-hmm. right? I know this. And 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 I'll and I'll tell you one of one of the people that I feel comfortable um talking to about a number of things is one of the chiefs down here in Jacksonville. He's uh, one of the chiefs at Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. Um, it's T.K. TK Waters. Um, his son was Nasir's best friend. Okay. He's the one who passed passed away mm-hmm. in August of uh, 2018. And the the young man, when, the, when Nas got drafted, that was his um, NBA person of hope. And when Nasir got drafted, if you go on the NBA's Instagram page, yes. and that's the one that Nasir was talking about. But he's a chief. He's one of the chiefs of uh, the sheriff's offices down here in Jacksonville, right? There was a shooting um, back in 20, 2017 um, in Jacksonville downtown, and I know that he was out in the field then. As soon as I heard there was a shooting, the first person I called was him. I was like, hey, man, I heard there was a shooting, that they were just shooting cops. I just wanted to check to make sure you're okay, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, and, and that's how I feel about that. Now, as a black person who has been on the wrong end of overzealous policing, sure. it makes me feel a certain way as well, um, where... I think people want to rail more so against the mindset of policemen in general and not necessarily against individual policemen, Mm -hmm. but it just so happens that when they're lashing out, they lash out at at what's closest to them. All right. Now that's not to excuse anything, but I think that's what kind of, you know, 
makes that happen, right? That people aren't being rational when they attack an individual police officer. Mm -hmm. But I think people are angry with the mindset, with the way that black people are policed. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I think I think that when black people are police, it's not it's not necessarily everything that they do with policing black people comes from one of criminality. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's something there's something criminal going on around this person. And it's usually based on race. Sure. So we're trying to black people tend to be policed in that way. I mean, you got to think about this, Mike. The the racial history in this country has not been the kindest to black people. Absolutely, not. you know. And I and, and I think and I think that for people to deny that is a problem. And for all of the strides that we've made in this country with regards to race relations and stuff like that, and we, we still got we still have a long way to go. Yeah, we can do. You know better, what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, and and, I, and you know, people say, "Oh, I'm colorblind." I don't see color and i think that might be part of the problem yeah you know what i'm saying you you have i don't want you to erase the fact that i'm black i want you to see me for i am at and if you do start seeing color maybe then you can appreciate the history that this country has had with regards to black people especially with our you know with with blacks arrival to this country and and the system's under which we were subject, subjected to some pretty horrible things yes. as, a, as a group of people. And that doesn't just end because there is a law created, you know, yeah, it's a, <laughs> you it's know, a or you put system. something yeah. in legislation. It's, it's a belief system. And, I, <clears> and I'm, I'm probably quoting it wrong, but have you ever seen the movie Dogma? Oh, and um, with George Carlin, yes. and they talked about, you know, this, you know, you're trying to change a belief and, you can't change that. I mean, you can change it over time, mm -hmm. but it hasn't been enough time for that mindset to be changed. And what happens is, now this is just my opinion, this is Professor Harold Little speaking now, <laughs> all right? Yes, sir. Speaking on some, you know, getting rather pedantic on you now, sir. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but what happens is, is that I think that people want to relegate um pre-civil rights and race issues and stuff to the past, right? Yeah. And they figure that if, it, if it's in the past, we don't have to talk about it and we can just move forward. But it doesn't work like that. Because mm -hmm. th think about it like this, right? So let's say a husband cheats on his wife one time, right? Yeah. They move past that. That cheating incident is in the past. But you can best believe, as long as they stay together, that cheating incident is going to have some sure. impact on I've, every single thing. That I have honestly never <laughs> thought of it that way, and that is that's a that's a brilliant take on it. Um, right? I uh, I, I was I was having a discussion yesterday, or not a discussion. It was kind of a question that was posed uh, to me or to us uh, from a younger, you know, uh, independent writer. Uh, you know, we're kind of sitting back watching things unfold on Twitter, which is absolutely not the best vehicle to watch things unfold because like we talked about earlier, you're going to get all the negative. Now, I've seen some right. things like I've seen uh, the picture of the one that sticks out to me the most is the, the policeman in riot gear um, fist pounding one of the protesters 
uh, right. is is one of the most powerful things I've seen from this entire thing. Um, another was a video about <laughs> the protesters giving a, a, a black cop some shit who had, I guess they ran out of riot shields or something, I don't know, and he was holding like a... I don't even know what it was. It looked like a plastic tabletop as a, as a shield. Uh-huh. And, and they were giving him shit and they were having a good time. It was like uh, a moment of levity in a, in a very tense situation, which I thought was great. But yeah. um, you don't see any of that hardly reported on. You see fire and, and arrests and media people being arrested. But anyway, um, yeah. what, what, this, what this young writer asked was, how, how do we win? And I, 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 you know, I don't know if win is the proper way to put that. Um, I right. don't think that what's going on right now in Minneapolis is how you achieve the goals. I think this is, I understand the frustration, but it feels like more of the same. We've seen this unfold before in Ferguson and Los Angeles and, and other places. Right. But I also don't know how to fix the problem. I don't know what the other avenue is to get to where we need to be. And if I think if, if any one person knew how to fix it, it would be fixed already. Mm-hmm. Unless there is a person who knows how to fix it and they're just a sick SOB and right. want to see this stuff happen. So that that's the only thing the only thing that could be possible if it can be fixed. So that's kind of my roundabout way of saying I don't know if it can be fixed in the short term. Sure. Right? In the short term. So what what ha- what I think has to happen is that there has to be some systemic changes. I think uh, again, the the racial history the racial history of this country has it w- it was founded on some things that just just weren't going to be fair to certain groups of people, mm-hmm. and and if it's kind of ingrained in the DNA of this country, then to overcome those systemic things is going to be a lot tougher than prosecuting you know for police officers that's just for police officers so you it's like you had this big tumor and even if you prosecute and convict and sentence these four officers you still got a big ass tumor there because it's a, it's a mentality yep. you know what i'm saying it's mm-hmm. it's a mentality so how do we get rid of the whole thing and not just take a piece of it off to make us feel better in the short term because it's not a one-off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a one-off. And, and, and I think another part of the problem is, is that when, when there are opposing sides, right? So everybody always brings up, well, oh, how do you feel about the 50 people who got killed by black people in Chicago this weekend? It's two totally different things. I've right? been guilty and, of saying people, things like that, by the way. Right. And, but people, yeah, but people know this. People know this. I mean, they speak about a black person killing a black person as if it's this pathological thing mm-hmm. that there's something inside of us that just makes me want to kill another black person <laughs> and I'm depraved and I can't help it. Right. Yes. So, so that's the way that it's presented when two white people get into it in West Virginia. And I know I'm being stereotypical. <laughs> that no, it's great. Right. I, I like it. All right. So when two white people kill each other or one white person kills another white person in West Virginia or, or anywhere, mm-hmm. right. And in, in large numbers or numbers that are proportionately higher than other places in the country. Right. Yeah. It's just called crime. There's no, there's no endemic or pathological white on white crime. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, crime 
right? And what this does is, is that it presents people with this image that black people on a whole are crime apologists, right? Yeah. So it makes people kind of think that, well, shit, you ain't saying anything about those black people killing those in Chicago, so why should you care that this cop killed one black guy, right? So th- that's what I hear when I, people say, when I hear people say that, right? And I care when somebody kills somebody in West Baltimore. This shit hurts, man. I got fit. My family is there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so when a black person dies in West Baltimore, that bothers me as well. But I understand on a macro level that it's a proximity. It's a proximity crime where where studies have been done that say you're more likely to kill someone who's in the general vicinity in which you are, right? Sure. People <laughs> right. kill people where they are and where they live. It just so happens that black people live in neighborhoods where other black people right. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So it's, just a, it's just a byproduct of of geography and, and where people are, you, you know? Yeah. I, so, I, right, but it takes a more sinister feel when there's a police officer who's endowed with a certain amount of authority by the state, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and it and it starts to seem like it's sanctioned by the state. Yes. And people and that this one because I think again it goes back to the way black people are policed. When they start policing us, it feels like it's not so much as policing us and arresting us during the commission of a crime. It comes that now I have to punish you as well. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, absolutely. So now, I, so now I have to punish you, and 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 the levels of those, of that punishment are extreme. Don't get me wrong. I I, I am a vindictive person. If you if you wrong me, sure. I've I think had yeah, you know, I've had things stolen from me, and I've said some crazy stuff. I mean. Man, I wish I could find the person who did this. If, if I could find the person who did this, I would torture them and then kill them. You know, I, I, I say something because I was personally violated. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But, but I, I think that if you're a person who who is a professional and your and your job is to police communities and stuff like that, you have to see the people that you're policing as humans, right? Mm-hmm. You have to see them as people. And, and, and I have this thought and Mike, please forgive me. And I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but, but no, I no, have we're to good, see man. We're because, good. because this is, because this was my thought. So I saw the video of George Floyd being killed and you can only, and I only saw the video for the guy. That's the focal point of the cause of death. Right. Yep. Yep. So when he was on the guy, and you had these people around, like, man, get off of him, man. You're killing him. You know, the people around him watching this happen, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the person who's subjected to the force of these officers, right, saying, hey, man, I'm done. I'm good. I'm, not, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to do anything, man. I'm done, right? Yep. Begging, begging to just get some reprieve from the position that he was in, right? The guy looked at the people who were saying, please get off of them. And then hearing the cries of George Floyd, he basically looked at those people and said, fuck y'all. Yeah. 
and and fuck this nigga. I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And his the look on his face was just like he did not care. He had no compassion, and there was no way that he could have considered George Floyd's humanity to look there so calmly and like, okay, and, and, and what? Well, yeah, and his look was like, oh, and what? You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, it was so painful to watch, man. It was just, it, it was, it was painful. And, and, and I think back to my own experiences and can I share a little story from way, way back? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I encourage Okay. All right. So this is 1980, 1989, um, a lifetime ago, right? 31 years ago, my, me, my twin brother and Shout a friend out to Daryl, by the way, the hip hop man. Yep. Shout, Shout out, out to D. Yes, sir. <laughs> We were in my friend's car, right? Now, at the time, my brother and I, we're, we, we were 6'3", but we were very skinny at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 6'3", and my friend Clement, at the time, he's 6'4", 6'5", three bills, yep. or just under three bills. So, we're all pretty big, young black dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And in the neighborhood we were driving in, apparently there there had been some sort of assault on a female, right? Okay. Some 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 crime against a female. So it's three black dudes riding in a little ass Chevette, a Chevrolet Chevette, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know what that car is, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> so so picture this. So we're riding around and we come around and we're coming around the neighborhood to go to go visit my mother. And we come come around this bend and get to my mother's house. And as we're coming around this curve, boom, we get hit with the lights, right? Boom. Cops pull up behind us. And we're like, you know, and we're panicking. We're like, man, what, what happened? Yo, see, what you do, man? Or, you know, <laughs> that type of thing, right? Man, these cops get out. They had guns pulled, yelling at us, pulling us out of the car. Making us like give me your ID cards. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, and we're like, we're, we have no idea what's going on. We don't even know what happened. <laughs> and there, and these cops, I mean, they were awful to us, man. And um, so we, we, they pull our wallets out of our pockets and they set our wallets on the hood of this car. And they say, now very slowly reach around and pull your IDs out. So they pull our ID, we give them our IDs, they go do whatever they do, and they come back and like, all right, you guys are free to go. No apology or nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, sorry for pointing my weapon and, at you. Right. And I and I said and I said so and now you have to think I'm like eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Eighteen at the time. About to go into the military, and, and is I, that correct as well? I wasn't in the I wasn't in the military. Okay. And I said, so just looking at ID cards gonna tell you that we didn't rape somebody? So you guys have that much knowledge to know that based on our ID cards that we didn't rape somebody? That that's all you needed? You know, <laughs> and, and and why did I ever say that? Because it just you know what I'm saying. It didn't turn out well. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But but it's just the point where I, that situation, man, where I think back to it, and our lives could have ended. Sure. 
And and we sat down, you know, and it ruined the night. We were having a good time, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You know, chilling. And we all we could do was go in my mom's house and just sit there and just look at each other and just say, What the hell just happened? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even and even now, as a person who's served this country for twenty almost 26 years in the world's finest navy you know mm-hmm. even now you still experience these microaggressions yeah. 31 years later this is how little progress you, we've made yes you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and and even still it's my imagine what it's like that you have to consider the car that you purchase because you're worried how cops are going to treat you if the stuff that you have is too nice, <laughs> imagine imagine yeah. that that when, when you're sitting down talking about purchasing a new car, right? And you just say, "Oh man, hey babe, let's get uh, let's get a seven series BMW, right? Let's let's do that." And then you say, oh, "You get excited about it. You worked hard your entire life to afford this this." physical thing that says hey this is a symbol of how hard i work and my family's success right but then your wife says baby we sure you want to do that because you drive a lot and i don't want you to get pulled over by the cops because your car is too nice imagine having to make that part of your car buying process I, that's people who, that's insane. I, I mean, I, I can honestly say it never enters my mind um, when I'm when I'm purchasing a vehicle, and I've purchased many. That that's never been a consideration that I've had to take into account, and that's crazy. I mean, that's that's it, you know what I'm saying. Now, yeah. now, obviously, there are plenty of people who purchase it anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? That's right. And whether, whether they consider that or not. But I'm just saying, for us, it was a thing that we had to consider. It was one of the things that we had to actually discuss. That's that's when when purchasing a new car, and I, and I and I would be willing to bet you a dollar to a dime. We're not the only family that had to, you know, talk about that. You know, or yeah. when you're trying to buy when you're trying to buy your children's their first car, you don't want to get them something that's too nice. That's gonna make them a suspect. You know, it's yeah. like all these types of. I mean, those are things that our white counterparts don't have to consider when they're doing certain things. Absolutely, I and agree. and even right, and even though it's on social media, and I don't think it's as, it may not be as widespread as we think it is because, but because we're inundated with it on social media, we think it's happening everywhere. But there are just the everyday things that we have to consider the way that we that we kind of present ourselves, the way that we behave in public, because it because it goes to because us just being us makes people uncomfortable. And those are certain things that other races don't have to deal with. You know what? I don't even want to I don't want to say other races mm-hmm. because I'm written now I'm speaking in a binary sense mm-hmm. because we're the we're the two most common races where there seems to be you know, ideological dispersions, right? Yes. So, so, you know, white people don't have to consider those things, you know, consider those things. White people behave the way they behave at any time. And they're, and it's, and it's not going to get the same response that if a black person does. 
So I say all that to get back to your original question. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's not patronizing at times is because there are certain things that white people are going to be able to say and do. And if they do it in support of ensuring that black people get those same luxuries, then I think it's a good thing because their voice carries a little, it carries a different weight. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or at least we hope that it does. You know what I'm saying? I, I just now. Okay, oh, go ahead. No, continue. No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Mike. Go I, ahead. I was going to ask you about. Uh, to me, the, the term that comes to mind is is the virtue signaling. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't want to downplay it, but and I don't want to sound like a dick, but to to simply tweet out Black Lives Matter, I think that is seeking the approval of the black community. If you're a white person doing that, like. I think that goes without saying. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Tweeting that out doesn't make you a hero as a white. It's like you're you're seeking the approval of of people that they don't need. They don't need to provide you with approval. You need to take action and and do something to support their, you know, their fight, their struggle. And it's you know, lazy. Yes, it's, it's lazy. Yes, it, it's lazy. And the thing, I'm like this. If you ain't out there doing something, then don't say shit. Mm-hmm. You you ain't got to say, you don't, just because something has happened doesn't mean you have to say something. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, people think that if they don't say something, then people, then people are going to think that you're racist, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is, this is me peering into the mind of white people that I know, or even white people I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that they think, well, oh God, if, if I don't say something, then the black people that I know are going to think that. I, I'm okay with this. No, that's not true. I, over 26 years in the Navy, I've met white people from every corner of this country, right? Mm-hmm. And and some of them I consider very good friends. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But but they're not saying anything publicly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and if they don't say anything publicly, there's nothing in my mind to make me say, "Oh shit, David didn't say anything publicly about what's going on here all this time. I thought he was all right. He's a flaming racist." No, nah, I don't think that. I don't think anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're focused I, I on the actual the actual fight. You know, I, I tweeted out the other night. I'm not the virtue signaling is what aggravates me. You will not see me virtue signal to seek the approval of the community. The people that I know in that community that that know me know who I am because we know each other, and that's that's as far as I need to be on that. But you so, want to know why? But you want to know why that's? But you want to know why that's a good thing that you do that? Hmm? Because you ain't trying to prove a fucking point. Yeah. The people the people know what's up. Yep. So you don't. So you don't have to say. Oh man, I have some of my best friends are black. As soon as I hear that, I'm out. <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous things that people can say. Like I work with black people. That, like, well, congratulations, right. Scooter. Fucking yeah. Right. It's <clears throat> the, and it's the people who make a show out of showing you that they're not racist. That's that's when it becomes patronizing to me. Right. When you when you have to make a show out of it, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. How about just don't be fucking racist. That's, <laughs> that's enough. Yeah, yeah. 
that's that that's i think that's enough. that is the point that's what we're fighting you know that's what people are fighting for um yeah, were you able to see um the twitter um log from the nc central coach um uh, uh from coach um oh, from um yes where he was with yes. raymond felton that was raymond Fel- that was Bruh, intense. i i read that so so you know, this happened back over 20 was it would it have been over 20 years ago because nah, this was before like 2005 maybe two, or 2007 i think he said I, so I he know. said it was was it before was it before felton got drafted it, it was I, I believe it was before he got drafted but after they won the but title. going into his yeah. okay but it was going into his draft right right something where like he that. was going to get drafted that's right okay i, I read this and the thing and here's the here's the sad thing about it though mike I read his story and it was shocking and horrifying and all that stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it wasn't surprising. No. It, it ain't so, no surprise. And that might be the most you know disturbing factor. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's a problem. And 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 people, you know, people don't want to give black people the benefit of the doubt, man. But to live under the conditions and still strive to a degree mm-hmm. the way that we have. That alone is commendable. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just we are, I mean, we, are, it might not show on the surface, but we are walking balls of anxiety, man. I mean, like when I go out publicly, man, I, man, my guard is always up for every level. You know what I'm saying? And like, think about this, like, and I'm sure that you're, I think you're kind of aware of this, but. I'm a supporter of the se- I'm a big time supporter of the Second Amendment, right? <laughs> yeah. And, we, we've, we've talked and, about this off air before, yes, sir. And I, and I exercised my Second Amendment right. Yep. But in doing so, I have to I have to think about okay, I am going to exercise my Second Amendment right. You know, I pay my taxes, I serve this country, and, and I've earned my right mm-hmm. to flex my Second Amendment right. But I also have to think about. In doing so, if I have any engagement with police officers, mm-hmm. I have to think about how how badly this can turn out for me. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, because I think back to Philando Castile when he was upfront about having his weapon, where he, where he was like, "Yeah, I, I have a weapon with me, officer." You know, mm-hmm. and when he went to reach to grab his ID and the and he got killed. I have to think that that's possible with me. And sure. You know what I'm saying? And I, and, and I worry about that type of thing. And, and for anyone who's wondering, nine times out of ten, if you see me, I'm strapped. <laughs> so, 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 it, so but it's, it's one of those things where I, I feel like I have to. Yeah. And, and now, you know, out here there, you know, they're doing their thing out here in Jacksonville, you know, in the Jacksonville area. Where now I feel like I'm traveling with multiple weapons in my car with me, yeah. and my only and my only hangup is that because of what's going on, I can't even go buy clips. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes, <laughs> because you know they're they're sold out, and I'm only limited by not having enough clips to put all the ammunition in that I have. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, when when all this the lockdown shit started back in March. Um, you know, I got on cheaper than dirt, or and, and tried to tried to make some purchases because I, I'm a supporter as well. And you know, quick story from from me is I work in 
the construction industry, but sometimes I am <clears throat> needed in, um, in places that have opened that are occupied. And, uh, mm-hmm. you right. know, I, I also, I also second amendment, I, I conceal carry as well. I have a Glock 380 that yeah. is typically on me. Um, and we was in a, a, a woman's apartment and, um, I, I bent over, um, a washing machine to, to make the connection in the back for the water. And, uh, the, the leasing manager actually saw my, my IWB clipped my belt. And she says, you know, we got out of the unit and she says, are you, are you armed right now? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm from Maine. Like we, we, of course. Yeah. I'm from Maine. I go to school with a shotgun in my back window, my pickup. So, um, and, and she's like, I don't know how I feel about that. I said, well, you know, I've been working here on this property with you for over a year and, you're just now figuring this out and now you're uncomfortable, but like, I'm obviously respond. This is, you don't know who in this facility can go mad at any point. And it's exactly. not, it's not here for me to be dangerous. It's here for me to protect us and other people in this, right. in this community. And she was like, yeah, I, I still don't know how I feel about it. I said, just, I mean, know that I've had it every day for a year and Right, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the guy you need to be scared of. I'm trying to protect us from the guy right. that you should be scared of. Yeah, and that's me as well. I, 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 I conceal carry with an IWB as well, and, um, and I, it, it, I just feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I have to, and and my thing is making sure because since Nasir is not here, it's just me. My wives and my daughters are still local, mm-hmm. and I just want to make sure that they're able to defend themselves. If I'm not around Mm -hmm. that's why that's why you see me take pictures of taking them taking them um you know to the range and stuff like that you know what i'm saying so you know i just do all that stuff well man i think uh this is (laughs) easily the longest conversation we've ever had it was a great conversation i appreciate you taking all this time to join me on a sunday morning i appreciate you um, you know, giving me a different perspective on things that I probably should be thinking about as, and, and as far as not being defensive about certain things. And uh, I, again, I appreciate the hell out of you, man. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation. Oh, Mike, always, man. I, and I appreciate you, man. I just appreciate everything that you do and just being who you are, just the way you, to, to me, and this is my opinion, mm-hmm. that, you, that you present things in a rational way. Now, does that mean that I agree with everything I've seen you say? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? no, there's there's nobody alive that would agree with everything <laughs> that I've said, for sure. Right. I mean, but I, I just I just feel that you're a genuinely a genuine person and a genuinely good person. And that's the thing that matters to me, and I appreciate you. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Have a, a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, you too, Mike. Take care, man. All right. Peace. All right, guys. That was Harold Little. Uh the most frequent guest I have on the show, and I think that that episode illustrates why. Uh, he's my go-to guy. You know, raw. He's going to give it to you exactly the way he feels. He's not going to sugarcoat it for you, and I appreciate him for that. Um, yeah, it, one of one of my proudest episodes, right there. It's phenomenal. I can't wait for you guys to hear. It. Uh, if you would please visit, uh, you know, ACC Basketball Report on Apple Podcasts. Give us a like, rate, review, share it with your friends, share it with your people. You know, we're going to start, I think, doing this a little bit more often as far as addressing some things maybe outside of basketball. Um, 
what those things are, I have absolutely no idea, but I think it's an avenue that is worth pursuing. Um, Follow me on Twitter, at ACBR1. Um, You may have seen on my Twitter uh, feed this week that we are transitioning to joining the Belly Up Sports Network. That is still in play. Um, You know, having gone over some of the paperwork um, and, and finer points, we're we're a little bit hung up right now. Um, it's it's not quite a done deal, but I look forward to making that transition here uh, in the coming weeks. So that should be great for the show. It should be great for the exposure. Also, jump on Twitter um, and and follow at Terps Country, who is now providing content for the Instagram page, which ACC Basketball Report is now on Instagram, finally, because I'm behind the times. Um, Terps Country is a, a young man named Cam, who is going to be providing edits for the site from now on, um, something that we've needed for quite a while. Should give us a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a facelift. And also, um, uh, future South Carolina Gamecock, uh, Nick Lawrenson has been brought on to the website to, you know, do some, do some daily up or not daily, some weekly updates, um, write more during the season. Um, I, I, he's an aspiring writer, uh, college student and, uh, uh, you know, we put out his first article uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago, and it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, definitely go to accbasketballreport.com, check out his his work, um, follow us all on Twitter, Nick Lorenzen. I, I don't have his, let's see, where is he? Where are you at, Nick? Nick Lorenzen is at N Lorenzen Sports on Twitter. So give him a follow. He's going to be putting out content for me left and right here. Um Really good kid, just you know, wants to put in the work. So absolutely, put in some work because I can't write every day or nearly as much as I'd like to. Um, what else? I think that's it, guys. You know, I, nearly two hours. Um, again, one of the best episodes I think we've ever done. I appreciate T. Uh, shout out to his brother D, who's a great guy, the hip hop man. I, I often refer to him as. Um, shout out to Nasir, uh, who is the unofficial official player of ACC Basketball Report. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to do it again. I'll see you guys next time. Later.